Hello and welcome, I'm Alexander and this is Knee Deep in Tech. We're at episode 94, recorded at Microsoft Ignite. And I have a guest in the shape of the absolutely legendary Reza Rad. Reza, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. My pleasure. I'm not a legendary by, <laughs> by the definition you are talking about, but thank you. I appreciate your time and I appreciate considering me for your podcast. Well, so... I, I I really think you're a bit of a legend. I mean, is there anything that you have not done in the Power BI community? Because if you ask anybody in the Power BI community, everybody knows your name. And I'm kind of curious to know, is it true that the last time you slept was in 1998? <laughs> so how, how do you find the time to do everything you do? Uh, I actually sleep quite well. So <laughs> that's that's good. That's good. There there was times actually that uh, I mean back in probably like about ten years ago I really slept like four or five hours. Wow. Twenty four hours. That that was a period. Uh, I I think that that was like the period that was like quite intense. Mm -hmm. But these days I quite <laughs> sleep quite well, like eight hours things like that um, but uh, I spend a lot of time doing activities as you mentioned one of the main reasons for that is that uh, I don't have kids <laughs> there <laughs> right? is that that's that. one thing another thing uh, which is quite challenge for a lot of people in the community is that when they they have like a work life mm -hmm. and a normal life mm -hmm. For me, that's like combined because Leila is also doing the same thing. So sometimes we are like um, driving, going somewhere. We are still doing like Power BI talks, AI talks, things like that. That that makes a whole big difference. Uh, I can go to a lot of conferences because Leila is also coming with me. She is also doing presentations, things like that. So it takes a lot of time to do these community works. But uh, I have the privilege to... Um, to be with someone who is also involved in the community. True. That that gives much more time. Let's oh, say. That, I, I can imagine. I mean, Leila, your wife, is an AI MVP. Yes. She was one of the first, or was it was she the first MVP? Not, not first AI MVP across the globe, but I think she was the first AI MVP in Australia, New Zealand. Right. Yeah, one of, one of the first few, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And she also has a PhD in... Yes. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so she, she is quite, uh, let's say she's the smart one. <laughs> I'm, I'm the one who just tried to be smart. I, I don't have even master degrees. I, I finished my bachelor degrees. Even that was quite hard for me to finish. But she was, she's done her bachelor degree in one of the really good universities in Iran. And All then, right. uh, master degrees as well. Then in New Zealand, she's done, uh, her PhD. Uh, so yeah. Went through right, quite quite big process, and her PhD was actually something to do with uh, like uh, machine learning processes as well, like recommending travel processes to some travelers, things like that. And as is usually the case when it comes to PhD thesis, people like us we understand maybe the foreword. Yes, <laughs> and nothing else. Two paragraphs. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> the rest is like too complicated. Wow. Don't talk about that. Yeah. So you you you're both from Iran originally. Yes. Yeah. And then you moved to New Zealand. Yes, 2012. It's kind of a difference between the two countries, and there's some dif distance involved as well. Right. Yeah. How, how did you come up with the idea of going to to New Zealand? Uh, I'd say luck. Oh, chance, luck, because. Um, 
like coming from uh, from Iran, there are few countries you can apply to be a resident, right? Oh, okay. You can you can travel to a lot of countries, but to be residents, there are few countries you can go and try, like Canada, Australia, New Zealand. These countries we applied for Canada. It took some time, so we said, okay, let's leave that. We applied for New Zealand. Uh, we got visa like in 20 days. Wow. So just just out of uh, luck, let's say we said just let's try this one. And we went there. Our plan wasn't like to live there when uh-huh. we went there. But uh, after we went there, like scenery, beautiful place. Uh, so we said, OK, why not? Let's live here. And that ended up being eight years for now. Really good country, good people, um, great lifestyle. The only <laughs> caveat is that uh, everywhere we travel, it's like 12 hours, oh, 15 yeah. hours. Yeah. Yeah. Apart from that, it's a fantastic place. Cool. So you've been doing Power BI for how long? Um, so like some others in the Power BI space, I've been doing Power BI since the time that it was not called as Power BI. Like uh, Even before Power Query? Yeah. Um, yes, with Power Pivot. Oh, uh, yeah, because yeah. Power Pivot started in 2010. Now, right. I haven't started at 2010, but I think I've started working with it like 2011, 12. Mm-hmm. Uh, then Power Query came. I actually remember the first time I've heard about Power Query because that was a tool that Matt Mason was working yep. quite uh, good on it. Uh, me and Matt been uh, in TechEd in Hong Kong, 2013. Mm-hmm. He asked me, come and have a look. Uh, he had the Data Explorer that time, Ooh. the first name of Power Query. Yeah, he showed yeah. me that and I said, wow, that's fantastic. Uh, that was the first time I worked with Power Query. So after that, like Power View and then Power BI came as like Power BI Designer. They rebranded as Power BI Desktop. So uh, it was a quite a journey. Uh, I like that. I actually like all technologies that works with data. So... Because that, that was going to be my next next question. What did you do before Power BI? I was a developer, C sharp developer. Oh, yeah, me and Leila actually both. <laughs> so we've been uh, we actually met in a company. We've been both programmers at right. that company. Right. So I, I've been a C sharp developer, developing like uh, web services, C sharp applications for uh, like for um, two three years. Mm-hmm. Then I gradually moved to the database space. I liked writing T-SQL queries, dealing with data, building tables, creating relationships with that. Uh, so I became like an accidental, let's say, database developers. Right. And then uh, because when we work with database, we also work with technologies like those days we had DTS. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> analysis services. So I started working with those. And then SSIS came in. That was the probably the time that I moved more towards BI space of database. So I used SSIS, SSRS, SSAS a lot. And and then after that into the Power BI space gradually. Okay. And would you say, I'm trying to frame the question here because I come from the infrastructure side of things. I started as a DBA back in the late 90s. And it's interesting to talk BI people that either came from from a pure BI side mm. or from developer space or from the infrastructure side. You're from the, the developer side originally. How would you say that having the developer mindset has impacted your career, so to speak, in, in Power BI? 
I say that helps me a lot in understanding languages, like M or DAX. DAX is <laughs> kind of a little yes, bit no. different. It's a language like no other languages. Unless uh, you're Italian, don't bother. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but for M, for MDX, for like expressions that we had in SSIS, in SSRS, all of those languages, uh, I loved all of those. Mm. And, and that was like my sweet spot. So whenever it came to learning a language, that was like my favorite spot because I've worked with languages before. I knew how, how it works. Uh, but I also had hard times in, let's say, learning the admin parts of it, like, for mm -hmm. example, identity management, things like that, how the, let's say, high, level, high availability clustering, things like that work. Sometimes I learn a little bit of that accidentally because I have to work with that somehow, but I never call myself good at that area. Yeah, Because you're very prolific. There is pretty much nothing you have not touched when it comes to Power BI. And everybody uh, equates you to Power BI in the whole thing. But it sounds like your real homestead is more geared towards the code side. So DAX yes. and, and Power Query in particular. Yes, correct. And, and uh, let's say, um, so, so DAX and M mm -hmm. particularly, those are my sweet spots. And uh, the architectural view is also something that I like, how components work with each other. Yep. Things like that. Uh, the admin side, as you said, I have videos, I have articles, things like that on it. But for example, Adam Saxton is much better on that side. Uh, because I think he is coming from the, uh, he is. the admin background. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so... So I have articles, I have some contents on it, but I won't consider myself as, let's say, the best person who can explain that part. Right. Yeah. And that, that immediately segues to another thing. You do a lot of training. Yes. So do you do both in-person training and, and uh, video training? What, yes. what, what kind of training yeah, so, do you do? So like three types of training we have. Um, so uh, in-person. Right. Usually in-persons are around conferences that we do, or, or it is in New Zealand, Australia, in our region. Um, live online, live onlines are like um, through GoToMeetings and Microsoft Teams right, and things right. like that. We are actually online and doing the training sure. for a group. And video. Yeah, we do have videos as well. Uh, these are all available in our website. Um, our video trainings, it is still getting like completed. It's, mm -hmm. We still have some of them not available yet as video training, but that's, that's how these are working. And since I did a Pluralsight course for Power BI, mm. which was relevant for all of two weeks, because <laughs> after two weeks, Microsoft changed the whole workspace experience. How do you keep up, both in terms of, of producing training content, producing content in general, and just keeping up for your own sake? It takes a lot of time. Uh, like we do, uh, like, uh, blogs, videos almost like every week. So my, uh, I'm, I'm trying to time my, uh, timing like this, like four hours a day. I dedicated on content that I publish for blogs, videos, something publicly. Right. Right. And, and among the rest, I have emails to check. I have all other things to do. I have all follow-ups with my clients, things like that. And part of it, like uh, looking at the training contents that we have and what needs to be updated, things like that. It's not like mm, uh, the best up-to-date content, like things that gets like released this month probably comes in or uh, videos two, three months after that. 
but we try to keep it up to date. Yeah. The, the, th the thing is that in your schedule, you have to always have a dedicated time for that thing. If it is not in your schedule, then it, it's really easy to miss it. That's, yeah. that's interesting because the, the things that I hear all the time when people are talking about personal branding is consistency. Mm. That you need to set aside time for this. Yes. This also begs the question, how the heck do you make any money? <laughs> that, that's a big question. So the, the, the thing is that like we are in the consulting business, right? Right. Uh, in consulting business, there are big companies like KPMG, PwC, and they have a good budget for marketing. They do marketing like that. Um, in Radeka, we don't have that budget of marketing, but instead we go to conferences. Uh, we speak in conferences, we have videos, blogs, things like that. These are never, let's say, direct marketing. So these mm -hmm. are not videos that, A, come and buy my product. It's not like that. It's more like training. Uh, but when I train on a specific subject, when I say that this is how you do that, a lot of people learn that, okay, I can do this way. So uh, let's go and check what other trainings this person have, right? So it's like an indirect marketing. Uh, I consider it that way. On the other side, it's like what I like, right? Uh, because when I learn something myself, I go and write about it. it it's like a history oh, yeah. for myself, right? Oh, yeah. I, I go and learn about like aggregate function in Power Query. I go and write about it because this is something that I can refer back to it. And it is something for others to use as well. So how, how much of your, your revenue stream would you say comes from the training uh, material and how much from, from consulting? Uh, much more from the training. Really? Yes. Yeah. Especially from my time and Leila's time, we can easily say like 80% is oh. training, 20% consulting. Uh, and the consulting that we do is not like end-to-end -end projects, it's like more advisory. Okay. Like someone, uh, or, or clients are people who are actually doing the things themselves. Like someone right. who is actually building the Power BI report, write the DAX expression, write the Power Query, uh, but it doesn't perform well. So I just connect for a couple of hours, solve that issue, and, uh, and that's done, right? Right. Uh, if it is like longer projects, we have uh, a couple of uh, consultants who are mm, always based in New Zealand. They have like longer time they can commit to longer projects but, right uh, for me and Leila it's really hard to commit on a long project so uh, yeah much are, more are training. these consultants part of Radacad as well yes, yeah how many people do you have in Radacad five <laughs> not that many so it's me and Leila mm, let's call uh, we call ourselves as like more let's say mentors uh -huh. consultant because we do uh, a lot of like advisory things yep we have two consultants. They are doing like development and things. Uh, they, they are doing long-term projects. Sure. And we have a good administrator as well. So um, oh. helps us with all, let's say, flights, bookings, all, all, all kind of things that we can't really take care of all of those ourselves. That sounds like a really good setup because everybody does what they do best. Yes. And I mean, I, I know for a fact that how many hours that I spend on just looking at flights that I would much rather spend looking at blogs, mm. preferably your blog. The only issue that I have with your blog is that you're always first. <laughs> it's so hard to find original content anywhere because everybody's so quick. And that, that kind of leads me to the next question, which is Power BI 
in particular and anything Microsoft in, in general is evolving so quickly. Mm. I mean, l looking at um, Ignite, yes. do you know how in, in percent, how many people of the attendees here figure themselves to be data people? Do you know the number? Uh, no, I don't know the number, but based on the attending in, on the sessions, yeah, um, I, I'd say probably like, I don't know, uh, I'm just making up that number, but I think like 10, 20 percent. Four. Four. The number is four percent. Oh, okay. So <laughs> we, we are very, very rare in this crowd. Yes. Most of the people are probably out in, in Seattle for, for past summit where Leila is, right? Yes. Yeah. So. Looking at it from an infrastructure perspective, we still got quite a few new features, not necessarily geared specifically towards Power BI, but the Power Platform. But what are your takeaways? What are the, the things that you're going to be spending most of, of the time with going forward, you think? Um, I think uh, big moves that we have, or let's say trends that we have in Power BI these days are different from what we had like three years ago, mm -hmm. two years ago, four years ago. Uh, those times when Power BI first came, the first two, three years, it was mainly evolved in the self-service area. Right. This is how you build a report, let's get data, let's build things and uh, other stuff like that. Uh, but now we have like tons of Power BI report. Everyone goes and builds their own Power BI report. So we end up with, let's say, silos, mm. a lot of silos. Mm. Everyone has their own version of Power BI reports. And that, that creates another challenge, governance, which doesn't really seem like a big challenge at the beginning. But after a while, when you see like 100 Power BI files, uh, like, like the challenge that we have with Excel files, right? Yes. Uh, everyone has their own version of that. So it brings us to the governance side. And what we see these days that Power BI team is focusing on are things that helps with the governance side. Uh, like we have all of these ALM capabilities coming. How to build the process of like test, deploy, uh, yeah, yeah. things like that. Or uh, ability to work with uh, data flows that actually separates part of the development of Power BI or ability to have shared data models mm. or things like that, which creates like separation of layers in Power BI, makes Power BI something that multiple users can work with it. XMLA endpoint, all of these things that are coming like as enterprise features of Power BI, I think the next move in the Power BI space is that these are getting a little bit shaped around, uh, okay, we have these capabilities, but now use it under this template. You can use it outside of this template, but, uh, but there would be a lot of challenges. So we have now the infrastructure to build it inside this template. So I think, I think that's what a lot of people are uh, looking at at the moment. And I'm curious, you, you mentioned the, the pipelines, and we saw some bits and pieces of, of pipelines inside of, of Power BI mm. during the keynote and during one of the sessions. Have you been looking at that or is uh, that... Pipelines? Yeah, apparently it, it is possible to do, uh, I don't know the word for it, but um, kind of for, for, for um, life cycle management with right, pipelines yes. inside of Power BI. Mm. Uh, I, I've been searching for the session in the catalog, but I, I haven't seen it there yet. There was only one, one session on ALM, I think. There was, yeah. there was only one session. Have you been in that session? I, I did not. I've, so I've 
So it was quite it. interesting topic. It, it's talking about like um, right now, if I want to like create dev test mm -hmm. um, production environment, I have to do that myself, right? I have to create a workspace mm -hmm. for dev, workspace for test, workspace for production. Uh, after I build my, let's say, um, data set, model, reports, everything is fine. Now I have to like republish it into the test environment. Right, right. Um, republish it into the uh, production environment. There are some challenges that like, for example, dashboard, I cannot mm. move it in between. Uh, another challenge is that how can I then compare the version that I have in my production with the version that I have in test? So uh, all of these ALM features, uh, ability to do these, makes it much simpler that I can actually go to my, uh, I can define these environments. It gives me uh, ability to compare these, like a schema compare we have in Redgate tools for database. Sure. So something like that for, uh, for Power BI files. And then I can deploy my changes after doing that. And it's not just about data set it also brings like the whole report dashboard things like that so uh, but these are all like few clicks let's deploy it from here let's deploy it from there so so it makes it much more simpler uh, still we are working with users who let's say want to achieve this with low code no code experience mm -hmm. but now we have that capability to do it so is this in in private preview or public preview i think this is like coming Okay, right. Not even in private preview, no. Right. But but I think coming very soon. Yep. Yes. So it, it's super interesting to work with a product that develops so quickly. And you did <laughs> you did something, <laughs> was it yesterday or was it the day before? On Monday. Monday. Yes. So you, you managed to squeeze a 45-minute <laughs> session into 20 minutes. I yes. have no idea how you did it. <laughs> but it was on, on architectural patterns yes. for Power BI. And what you did was simply not possible six months ago. Yes. The whole separation of, of things. Could you talk a little bit about what the, the idea of that session was? So it, the idea of that session is that uh, I get a lot of people coming to me asking, like, I have a Power BI file. This file has, uh, like, a table in it. Now I want to use that table in another Power BI file. How can I do that? Uh, usually they go and copy that uh, cop script, they paste it in another file, but then uh, it creates another challenge that, okay, we have our source code in two different places. If I change this, I have to go and change that. Same for uh, DAX expressions, right? You spend time, write a big DAX expression, then you have to copy it for another file, right? Uh, and all of those is because we put everything in one PBIX file mm. in Power BI, and that's I mean, that, that's self-service, right? That's the ability that self-service features give us. But, uh, but we can treat it differently. We can uh, separate these layers. We can say, okay, my data transformation layer, I can do it differently with data flows. Power BI data flows, which is called now Power Platform data flows, yep. let's say. Yep. <laughs> so I can separate, I can make that separate. And I can say, okay, Reza, you are good at uh, MScripts, Power Query, you go and take care of that. I don't know what to do with that. You go and build the tables that I need. Give sure. me that tables. Then um, then the data modeling layer. Let's say I have Alex. Alex is good at DAX and can create a relationship between tables, hierarchies, calculations, all DAX expressions. You take care of this. You don't need to worry about what is the M script, what is the Power Query script. And we have like two, three other people who are good at visualizations. They go and connect their Power BI reports to uh, to this shared model that you create and they build their visualization. So we have like the 
original three layers of BI, which uh, was in SSIS, SSAS, SSRS, now separated in inside the Power BI environment. Uh, as you said, a lot of things happened that made this possible through the past uh, few months, uh, which is which is a great move. Uh, but only again for scenarios that we have actually multiple developers. If we have only one person developing the entire solution, we'll probably squeeze everything in one file. Anyway, this is for scenarios that we are talking about enterprise. Well, while while I I agree that is probably what's going to happen, I still think that it is a, a good practice to separate these things. It becomes modular. It becomes easier to scale and easier to troubleshoot. Later on, you might need it somewhere else. Yes. Yeah, yes. definitely. Yeah, so it, it takes a little bit more time to build at the beginning, but it makes it much more easier to maintain in the future. Yep. So future, you will love the fact that you did. Yes. Did. Fair yeah. Enough. So top tip, make sure you do things right from the get-go. Otherwise, you're probably going to have to do it again anyways. Exactly. Super. Yeah. So we are out of time, and I would like to thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. I you're an elusive guy. You're very difficult <laughs> to track down, but I... So happy that I managed to do that. And uh, for all you listeners, we will be back in uh, probably in another day or so. Take care. Bye. Bye.